Welcome to InsideCatholicPhilly.com, the weekly survey of news in the Philadelphia Archdiocese. I'm your host, Gina Christian, here with Matt Gambino, the editor of CatholicPhilly.com, and we're taking a look at this week's top stories. Thanks so much for spending a few moments with us here at CatholicPhilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian, here with our editor, Matt Gambino. Matt, great to have you with us here in the studio. Good morning, Gina. How are you? Good. Well, the global economy and the information highway have done much to bring together different cultures and nations. But a quick glance at the headlines will tell you that human beings still struggle when they encounter someone whose skin color doesn't match their own. In the developing world and in industrialized nations, racism persists, and sadly, even among Christians. And to give us some insight into this difficult issue, we've invited Father Art Percaro. Father Art is a member of the Augustinian Order and the Acting Vice President for Mission and Ministry at Villanova University, where he's also a professor of theology. And in fact, he teaches specifically on this topic. Father Art, welcome. Thank you very much, Tina. Very good to be with you and with you as well, Matt. Thank you. Great to have you back in the studio. Father Art, let's start with the basics. What exactly is racism? Yeah, that's the major issue. Be able to define it for myself, what I think racism is. If I ask people in class or in a congregation, are you racist? Nobody would raise their hand. So it's not something that we can readily feel that we can identify. I think it's good to go to the source. This recent pastoral of the American bishops on this issue, another pastoral because the need is still there, helps illuminate now a more precise decision. So when they write in open wide our hearts, writing to us, all of the people who live here in the United States, particularly Catholics, people of God, called to give witness to that fact that God is love, God is communion, God is relationships, calling to mind that racism does not fit in the Christian faith. It does not fit for people who understand God as relationship. God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is love. Racism, precisely, and they define it, and I'll certainly encourage everybody to read the document. Very early on, the question, what is racism? Racism is when a person holds that his or her own race or ethnicity is superior and then judges persons of other races or ethnicities as inferior or unworthy. So if God is communion, if God is relationships, when I exclude anyone from relationship. I deny their worth. I'm denying God, God's mission for us to open up and to include everybody. So when I think I am worth more for God or for the country or for my family than anybody else, then I'm denying who God is, as we understand it. And again, you're referring to the bishop's letter, the pastoral letter issued and approved in November 2018, which is Open Wide Our Hearts, The Enduring Call to Love. And that is available on the bishop's website. And as we were talking before we went on the air here, really all of us should take a read through it. If we don't educate ourselves, if we don't allow ourselves to be formed, none of us, I don't think, were born knowing. We all need to learn. We learn to walk. We learn to talk. We learn to pray. And I hope that we learn how to live. We learn how to relate. The need to relate. If God is relationship, God is not isolated, not not alien. God is close. God is among us. We just celebrated Christmas. Right. The, the aha, the joyful discovery that God is here. And then we treat people as though they were worth less. Unbelievable. I mean, it's as though God were something else. Why did he become one with us? The letter is fantastic. It's not too long. It's worthy of meditation. It's informative. 
I learned from this letter, mm. and I would hope that I'd be able to continue to learn by talking about it with other people. I encourage all of those who, who listen to talk to others about racism. We haven't heard enough about it. Maybe we've never heard anybody talk about it from the pulpit or in our classrooms, but maybe that's a way to move beyond this, to be able to talk about what it is and the consequences of it for us and for us as a society, certainly for us as people of God trying to give witness in the world that things can and need to be different. Father Art, the bishops also addressed this issue more than 30 years ago with another racism pastoral. How is this, in a nutshell, how is this new letter different from that? Or is it not different at all? Is it, I mean, updating on the same sin that just won't go away? Is the situation improving? Is it deepening? And what can we do about that? Matt, actually, there's a series of letters that started 58 there, and every 10 years, really? practically. It's almost like the, the major conferences of bishops in Latin America. Every 10 years, more or less, they go back to the topic and see how we're doing. It's like taking our pulse. Am I growing or not? Is my faith increasing, and am I giving witness to it? So early on, you're talking about 58, the real crisis, civil rights crisis. Then 68, the violence, new work, Martin Luther King assassinated, and the consequences of that for society. Then in 79, there was a letter which really moved beyond. We have moved. And now, you're talking about coming back to the issue because, and they say it clearly, although we have grown, we're finding that racism is present not only in our hearts as persons and not only present as groups, like the incidents we've had where groups have, have felt they are better than really looking down and treating others as less, but we find it systematically present among us that here it is. So we're growing up in, into it. Do we realize it's there? And when it's present systematically, it means it's in the system that allows some people to have more and other people to have less. The statistics that they present, even in footnotes in this letter, are astonishing and unbelievably abhorrent. It's rich in data. It's not divorced from our real experience. They present the data for that. And one of those awful figures which is presented, and I have to comment on the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, listening sessions on racism. I went to the first one. I was blown away. I mean, it was a real honest discussion. The bishop spoke, archbishop spoke. He was listening. He heard the comments, the questions, and he responded with deep respect. What a moving experience. And I hope that encourages more and more people to participate in the follow-up listening sessions, that we really need to talk and listen what people think and feel about this topic of racism, that some people feel and are excluded. Some people are treated as worth less. And our system shows it. The percentage of the prisoners who are black young men, disproportionate to their relative position in society, whites or Latinos. Truly astonishing. And how can this be? Because my father was a New York City cop in the Bronx. And so, you know, that was the the 40s, the 50s. And who knew what we were doing? It was in the system, how we would profile people. But if we do it intentionally, it's good to understand that that is sinful. Another group that the letter calls out and that is often overlooked, I think, in these conversations are the Native Americans who historically suffered what is essentially genocide at the hands of colonials and also at the hands of the Catholic Church. And so the letter, again, is very transparent 
it puts everything in a historical context here. And it also addresses the issue of how the Catholic Church itself has participated in racism. Really fantastic how it's done. And not too long, but how it presents, as you say, with Native Americans. Who, and that's an enrichment from the previous letters of oh. race. The, go there and, and talk about how we as a people have isolated and discriminated against to the point where there is no other group who suffers more than Native Americans in our country. And that's a product of us, not just the American people, but the Catholic Church. So when we talk about racism in this document, it's how Catholics, the church in the past and in the present, are promoting racism, not intentionally perhaps, and therefore not sinful, but when it is systematic, then it is. We are involved if we don't step up, if we don't become aware, if we don't ask society to at least examine itself. So Native Americans, unbelievably, the concrete examples that are presented there, the Latinos, that new wave of, well, we don't have to go very far, unfortunately, to right. home borders and we close them off. My grandparents, all born in other countries, all came here. And I am privileged to be here and being able to share my faith and my values by traveling and working in other countries and missions elsewhere. So the, the ability to do that and then closing the door, instead of building bridges of communion and harmony, building walls and isolating ourselves. So there's the sinfulness that's involved when I'm not willing to open myself, I exclude others. So it's a personal as well as systematic national. What is the remedy? Because in reading the letter, the bishops are very clear about the virtues, the values, the strategies for turning this around, both individually and systematically. What do the bishops recommend? I think they hit the mark, as one would expect, one would hope these are professionals in announcing the good news. And they may not always be professionals about reading the signs of the times, because we haven't heard enough about racism, even if we've heard every 10 years. We've heard from specific bishops much more than that, and they still feel very isolated. Pope Francis, originally beginning his ministry to the church, asked us, to preach about, to talk about racism. So I'd ask the listeners, when was the last time you heard from the homily, from the pulpit, you heard talk on racism? What our teaching is on racism? What Jesus would have to say today about racism? We're not doing this to study history, to learn what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. We're followers of Christ today. And in our situation, how we can face the issue of racism, not just personally, but it is there, it's a personal sin, but also in our society. It's structural and systematic. So they offer, I think, really concrete suggestions. One of them I would highly recommend, read, please, this letter. And then that letter gives a real solid foundation in Scripture, which I can confront with my reality. So my reality, I see this. This is what I see in my family, in my neighborhood, in my school, place of business. Confront that with the scripture which the bishops have identified in this particular letter. For us, it's contemporary, helping us see how we are called to justice. And justice understood by Micah the prophet, they're saying these are right relationships. Justice is defined as relationship, as it should be, as, as we understand God. Relationship with God, relationship with myself, relationship with others, and relationship with all of creation. So relationships on all four levels, how am I living that out? Am I aware that how I live is affecting how other people live? Am I using all these goods which God has given for everybody, for the good of everybody, and I don't realize I'm consuming more than I need. If I go to my closet, who would not be embarrassed by how much we have? 
how many extra pairs of shoes and sneakers, how many extra sweaters and coats, and how many people, specifically the people who have been left out, outside. We're talking about the Native Americans, we're talking about blacks, we're talking about Latinos, in all different social and economic categories, but particularly the percentage of the, those in these categories, high, they don't have the same access. And that's exclusion, which is sin. And when we realize that and don't do something about it, so it's really very, very encouraging that they are inviting us into a dialogue to realize my life, confront it with how Jesus presents the reign of God, how it could be. And then the next step is, okay, what can I do? What am I called to do? So really, it's just that, that the call to confront racism is a call to live more fully in the kingdom. Everybody, everybody, Gina, that's it. It's perfect. That I am always, not just today and not just because of this letter, I am always called to grow. The kingdom, the reign of God is not yet. It's here. God is among us, but not fully. And I will always be called to grow more in harmony, in communion, always reach out and to give as God gives. We mentioned likeness of God, what we're called to be. And God gives without limit and without conditions. We put conditions. I was in the sacristy in one of the mission churches. I was preaching in Texas one weekend and I don't know anybody there. And so you're talking to people who come in. First time I was there and I heard the woman who works with the lectors remind the two lectors that there was gonna be a meeting of the Ku Klux Klan that afternoon in the sacristy the Catholic Church. Really? Yeah. So this is our reality. How blatant that is and how wrong that is to me, but it was not at all wrong to her. Right. She did not know that. And so then how is it that what the people in my zip code don't realize that how we live and the amount of the budget, the federal and the state and the local budget goes to educating the children in my zip code and does not provide then this is a structural, systematic racism because we isolate people. And then if you want to go to real, true isolation, then you're talking about the Native Americans. Right. We have isolated them physically, economically, socially. We are called to conversion. So as you say, it's ongoing, it's forever. We're never going to be able to sit back and say, ah, thank God, it's over. No, this is forever. The difficulty that people have living as a family, we get along and we don't get along. It's the challenge of learning how to get along as Christ would, loving instead of hating, helping instead of turning our back, dialogue, and when it'd be a lot easier to put everybody else off who doesn't agree with me. I have all the answers. That's pride. It truly is, as the bishops have said, an enduring call to love, and may God grant us that grace. Thank you. Yes, God, we praise. That, that, that's our, our hope, and it's our effort. We have to do it. I have to live it. I can't preach it if I'm not involved in, in trying to live it. Generally, I like to go back to basic dignity, that this is where it all starts, that, that God has created us in his image and likeness, and our challenge is to be as God is. And we will always need to grow in that. And we cannot do it without God. We turn to God. We need to be witnesses to God's love for each and every human being. And we have a long way to go. Daily conversion is the key, right? Yeah. Amen. Yes. God grant us the grace. Father Art Prakara, thank you so much. We hope you'll join us again soon. Thank you. I'd love to. I enjoy it very much. I appreciate the invitation and, and the opportunity to reach out and speak to people who I get the opportunity to listen to on a regular basis. We right. love having you. Come Thank back you, Father. Soon. God bless. Thank you. You too. And for more on 
these and other stories in local, national, and world news, as well as features on sports and culture, visit us online at catholicphilly.com. Thanks so much to Matt Gambino, the editor of catholicphilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian, and until next time, may God bless and keep you. This podcast has been a production of catholicphilly.com, music by Dustin Taylor Phillips. For more information, visit us online at catholicphilly.com. Funding for catholicphilly.com comes from the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and from readers and listeners like you. Support excellence in Catholic journalism. Visit catholicphilly.com and click on Make a Donation.